Good evening, church. Hope you are doing well. Hey, before we dive into our Bible study tonight, um, I just wanted to speak to you for, for just a moment on uh, kind of where we go from here uh, as, as a church and, and what that maybe looks like. I just want you to know that Pastor BJ and I have been meeting and discussing. We met for over an hour uh, in the conference room yesterday, just trying to think through, to brainstorm, to pray, to seek the Lord on, on how we can gradually move to a point where we can begin to worship together. Uh, and so we'll give you more information uh, on Sunday and, and give you more information going forward. What you need to know right now is that this Sunday we will continue to worship the way we have been worshiping. So invite your friends, your family, tell them to tune in Sunday morning at 1030 NBCNoonin.org. They can find the link there to, to tune in. Uh, what I also want you to understand is this is not as simple as us saying, okay, we're going to open the doors again and we're going to begin to gather for worship. There are 20 guidelines, right here, 20 guidelines, that all businesses who are open have to follow. And one of those guidelines still today is there must be six feet distance between you and any other person who is in that building with you if there are more than 10 people. Even under 10 people, they still recommend six feet. But if there are more than 10 people gathered, there has to be six feet. So understand, this is not as simple as, hey, we're going to open the doors and go back to the way it was. We can't do that. We have to be very cautious, very strategic, and keeping you safe and keeping this virus from spreading to those who may not be able to recover from it. So continue to keep us in your prayers. And as I said, we will give you more information um, as we uh, nail down those details. But just know we're praying for you. Uh, we're, we're thinking about you. And we want to do this in a way that is as safe and healthy as possible. So we'll keep you uh, up to date on those things. But for this Sunday, continue to gather with us online at 1030 and worship with us. We resume our study tonight in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9, as we're looking at the Lord's Prayer. We're going through this verse by verse. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9, pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Two weeks ago, we talked about forgiveness. We were there in verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And we notice that forgiveness is God passing over our sin. Or we think back to the Old Testament, the Israelites. Uh, God passed over the homes of the Israelites who had the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. The Lord passes over our sins. Forgiveness is God taking away our sin, God removing it from us. Forgiveness is God covering our sin. And we know that these things are possible only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross and then his resurrection from 
the dead. So we have forgiveness tonight because of Jesus and what he has done for us. Tonight, I want us to think of two aspects of forgiveness. Theologians or scholars will refer to these as judicial and relational. Judicial and relational. I just want to take a moment to think about judicial forgiveness. This is pretty much what we talked about two weeks ago. Judicial forgiveness. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 6 through 8 says, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Right, We have the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Jeremiah 31, 34 says, For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. This is judicial forgiveness. Through the work of Jesus Christ, you and I, by believing and trusting in him, have a right standing, a right relationship with God. All of your sins, past, present, and future, have been forgiven in Christ. You are in a right relationship, a right position, a right standing with God. He is your Father, and you have that right relationship through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. There is nothing you can do that would change that right standing with God. When you sin, it's not as if God says, oh, you're, you're not my child anymore. You're, you're on your way to hell. No, through Jesus Christ, our position is that we are in Christ. And that will not change. That's judicial forgiveness. But the other side or the other aspect of forgiveness is relational forgiveness. Relational forgiveness. Sin does not affect our standing or our position with God. But sin does have an impact on our fellowship with God. So, I think of uh, my two sons, Landon and Malachi. One is a son by birth. The other is a son by adoption. They are both equally my sons. There is nothing that they can do that will change their standing. They are Hornsby's. They belong to me. They are my sons. Nothing can change that. But I know that there will be moments in our life where our relationship with one another, our fellowship may be better than at others. Right? There may be times that it's a sweet fellowship and relationship. There may be times in which through their disobedience, right, that relationship might be tested. There might be times through my own sinfulness that that relationship might not be as smooth as it could be. But they're still my son's. It's just that relationship between us may have its ups and its downs, as all of you parents can probably relate to. So the question I want us to think about tonight briefly is this. How does our sin affect our relationship with God? Not our position, but our fellowship with God. I want you to notice five things. Number one, sin interrupts our fellowship with God. Our sin interrupts 
our fellowship with God. Psalm 66, 18. Psalm 66, 18 says this. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Listen, when there is unrepentant, ongoing sin in our lives, though that sin has ultimately been covered through the blood of Jesus Christ, that sin can still have an impact on our fellowship with God. It may simply affect the fact that we don't hear God as clearly because of the sin in our life. So sin interrupts our fellowship with God. Secondly, sin steals our joy and robs our gladness. That joy that we are to have in the Lord, the gladness that we have through a relationship with Jesus, sin can steal that. Right? I think of Psalm 32. Psalm 32. David is, is very honest here in this psalm. Beginning in verse 1, he says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Listen to verse 3. David says, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. David starts this psalm by expressing gratitude and thankfulness for God's forgiveness. Then in two verses, he speaks of how unconfessed sin has robbed him of his joy, of his gladness. His bones were wasting away. He was groaning. He felt the hand of God heavy upon him. And then he says in verse 5, I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. So if there is unconfessed, unrepentant sin in your life, it will steal the joy that you have in Christ because you are made to walk in holiness. You are to be godly, and that unconfessed, unrepentant sin hinders your relationship with God. Number three, sin hinders our usefulness. Sin hinders our usefulness. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 through 21. says, Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. You are to be a vessel that is to be used for honorable use, a useful, honorable vessel. When there is unconfessed, unrepentant sin in your life and in your heart, and it takes root deep within you, right? It, it leads to a dishonorable life, right? In which our, our words and our actions don't match up. What we say we believe and how we're living, they don't line up. And this can hinder our usefulness, our availability to be used by the Lord for His glory and for the furthering of His kingdom. We need to confess and repent of our sin. 
Number four, sin hinders our testimony. Sin hinders our testimony, right? Jesus said you were to be the salt of the earth. Salt adds flavor, right? It preserves. Your life, your testimony should be flavorable. It should exalt Jesus Christ. Your transformed life, Jesus Christ working through you, you're walking with him in holiness and godliness should, should be used by others, right? To Should be seen by others in a way that wants to draw them in to Christ because you're honoring him. Titus chapter 1. I read this yesterday in, in my devotion. Titus chapter 1 verse 16 says, They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. Well, church, we profess to know God. May our works line up with what we profess to be true. May our testimonies and our lives, though they will not be perfect, may they be consistent, pointing people to who Christ is and the work he has done for us. Number five, sin keeps us from forgiving those who have hurt us. Sin keeps us from forgiving those who have hurt us. Notice what Jesus says in his prayer here in Matthew chapter 6. Forgive us our debts. Forgive us of our sins as we also have forgiven our debtors. John MacArthur writes, Nothing in the Christian life is more important than forgiveness. Our forgiveness of others and God's forgiveness of us. Oh, brothers and sisters, we need forgiveness. This is why Jesus teaches us to pray, forgive us our debts, forgive us our sins. And we are in need of continual forgiveness of sins because we continue to sin. So may we confess those sins. May we understand that Jesus has covered those sins. But we also need to understand that not only do we need forgiveness, but Jesus is clear. We need to extend that forgiveness to others. See, the expectation of Scripture is that we will forgive others who have hurt us and wronged us. Ephesians chapter 4 is very clear on this. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted. Hear the words, Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. John Anwuchekwa, in his book on prayer, writes, When our hearts aren't convinced of our need for God's forgiveness, we're prone to hold grudges. We'll focus on other people's debts. We're sure to withhold forgiveness. Hear me. Your greatest need is forgiveness. Paul says in Ephesians 4.32, As God in Christ forgave you. When you come to Jesus in humility and you come confessing your sinfulness, seeking his grace, seeking his mercy, declaring him to be Lord and Savior of your life, declaring that you're all in and you're going to follow this Jesus, you receive the forgiveness of God, that judicial forgiveness that takes you though you were separated from God and now makes you right with God. You were under the wrath of God and now you come under the love and the, the grace of the Heavenly Father who loves you and sent his Son to die for you. You come under that. And as you come under that, as you experience the forgiveness of God in your own life, you quickly begin to realize you are now to extend that forgiveness to others. 
So let me ask you a couple questions as we close tonight. Question number one is this. What sins do you need to confess tonight to the Lord right now? What sins do you need to repent of? Will you ask the Lord to show you those sins? Right now, would you ask the Spirit of God to shine right His, His holy light into the darkness of your heart, into the darkness of your light, and say, Spirit of God, expose my sinfulness, expose my wicked ways, so that I might confess them, repent of them, and once again experience your forgiveness. Question number two, what are you holding on to that God has already forgiven you of? There are sins in your past that you have committed that weigh heavily on your heart and mind still. And you have gone to the Lord Jesus Christ and you have said, Jesus, forgive me. And he forgives you as far as the east is from the west. Your sins have been covered, removed, taken from you. And yet you still hold on to them. They still weigh you down. You are walking in slavery when Jesus Christ has freed you from those sins of the past. So what sins have you already confessed? Tonight Jesus is saying, let go of them. They are forgiven. I have paid for them. Now walk in freedom. Third question. Are you extending forgiveness to others? Have you withheld forgiveness from someone else who has hurt you, wronged you, or betrayed you? Jesus' words here in the Lord's Prayer are clear, and I will leave these with you. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And then he says this. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Hear me, brother and sister. Jesus Christ has forgiven you. You do not have the option then to withhold forgiveness from someone else. It is hard to grant it, yes but it is necessary. And praise God for the power of the Holy Spirit who transforms us from the inside out, which enables us to forgive, to extend grace and love and mercy to those who have hurt us. May God make it so in our lives that we would be people who not only rejoice in the judicial forgiveness but we also walk in relational forgiveness and that there is nothing in our lives that is hindering that deep abiding fellowship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May God's word speak to us and work through us, I pray. Let's close with prayer. Father God, in this moment, may we sense the working and the power of the Spirit of God right here in our living room at our table. Maybe we're watching this in our bed. Spirit of God, move in us, we pray. May we realize your forgiveness. May we be willing to forgive others around us. We trust in you, Lord. We pray, Spirit of God, work in us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.